know what drag queens are like. Everyone knows everyone. Yeah. They're like lesbians. Once you know one, you know them all. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem. I don't know enough. I need to know more lesbians. You do. I don't know enough lesbians. <laughs> Definitely not. That's because we're not represented enough. Oh my God. <laughs> is that why? That's what the problem oh, is. Fuck. <laughs> this is it. Correct. <laughs> I'm Davina and I'm Ricky and welcome to Fierce Slay Talk, a decamp podcast where we'll be catching up with some familiar faces from the drag world and beyond, whilst delving deeper into the obstacles life has thrown at them in the journey of becoming fabulous. So shall we begin? She's a burlesque performer, drag performer, and DJ who you may recognise from Channel 4's Drag SOS. It is TT Bang. Welcome to Fierce Slate. Hi, guys! excited talking to people tt bang what a joy what a joy to have you here chatting with us on fierce slate talk tell us how you are how is everything in the land of tt bang it's all right you know it could be worse it could be better we're here you know we're here we're queer any excuse to get dressed up at the moment you know i think for, there was a period of time where I was like, should I, in lockdown, where I was like, should I just quit drag now? Because there's nothing really to do, is there? <laughs> and I think I'm not the only person who felt like that at times. <laughs> but now I'm feeling like, okay, I should probably get on with my life. Yeah, nice. well, good. <laughs> I, I feel like I agree with you. I think that that is a good plan. <laughs> I would be upset if you decided to completely bin off drag. <laughs> but then I could have just come and swiped some of your wardrobe. So that also would have yeah. been fine. It would have worked I did out. feel like I've committed too much now. There's yep. no walking away. It's, I'm in too deep. Yeah, that's absolutely where I am now. Like 15, 16 years in, you've amassed all of this shit in your house. Yeah. You're looking at it going, I can't just throw 15 years away. I can't. No. Look at this room I'm in. I know, it's amazing. I'm literally in a room full yeah. of drag. What am I meant to do with this? It looks great, doesn't it? I want a wardrobe that Thank big. You. It's super organised as well. Like that's a I've highly... just moved house, you know, that's why. <laughs> I do know. That and that's why I was like, house. I'm not going to quit drag because I just lugged all this stuff to a new house, so I can't quit now. <laughs> <laughs> there is no possibility. <laughs> now, when we're going to start, how do you identify my darling? Oh, somewhere between female and fabulous. Yeah, fabulous. Perfect. That's what we like. <laughs> Full time fabulous, mostly female. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes barely that. Who knows? <laughs> well, absolutely not. Um, now, where does the name TT Bank come from? Do you know what? I've been asked this question a lot and I actually don't even remember. I don't know if it's because I smoked too much weed or I just, <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> there is a definite trend in our drag community. I was about to say the same thing. <laughs> it is being uncovered, particularly today, as we have yep. been moving our way through the drag fraternity, that there may have been quite a lot of green substances. <laughs> Yep. We are bad. And I think that's something people probably don't know about us, but you've got to be creative somehow, you know? You've got to find your magic. Yeah. Maybe it's the only way to calm down. <laughs> I guess. You know, oh, just too much inspiration going on. You're like, oh, Too much okay. inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think I'm a bit ADHD at times and I feel like it does really ground me and get me focused on something. So, But uh, you know what? I don't even remember. I think I was literally sat down one day and I was like, okay, I need a name. And it's not too dissimilar to my human name. So it was easy to remember. I don't know. Oh, so hang on. What is, your, what, is your, what is your, um, <laughs> oh. your birth name? My birth name oh my God. is Tegan, which <gasps> Tegan? is also a lesbian okay. name. Oh, yeah. Is it yeah. really? What okay. Yeah, it is. Tegan is a great name. <laughs> Oh, perfect. It's a good name, but I don't feel that attached to it anymore. <laughs> it's also the name of my sister's goddaughter, so I can't wait to hear you. I Is can't it? wait for her oh, to hear you. you call her a lesbian. That's going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Guess what, Tegan? <laughs> it is a lesbian name. It is a lesbian name. <laughs> How old is your Tegan, Ricky? Oh, God, she's like 16 or something. Okay, yeah. okay. Well, that's fine. She might think it's cool. So you you don't even know where the name comes from, but it's no, close I don't enough think, No, I don't even remember. Yeah, I just, I think I literally just like wrote down loads of names one day and I was just chose one. It was like nearly a decade ago now. I can't remember that long ago. So quite a while. How, how old are you? Can I ask? <laughs> I'm nearly 30. Nearly yeah. 30? Oh, I wish I was nearly 30. Yeah, no, nice. still a baby. Sickening. Still a baby, yeah. darling. You are oh, a baby. I don't definitely. feel it anymore, though. Not in the drag world anymore. Now I'm an old lady. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because everybody's like immediately at 14 and a half. I'm a drag queen. Literally. Yes. I'm a drag queen now. Let me throw myself like, on the floor. Fuck off. <laughs> I know it. it is. It's quite depressing. Yeah. yeah. So, how old were you then when you first discovered? the world of drag it's always been there in some form I think okay. my mum um, worked in nightlife adult oh, yeah. nightlife oh wow <laughs> um, yeah she was a stripper in the 90s and Amazing. so I was always around lots of showgirls and I don't know I was brought up watching Priscilla Queen in the Desert and showgirls and Tu Wong Fu it was always there and as a teenager growing up in rural England in the Lake District I used to read, I don't know if you remember it, Bizarre Magazine. Uh -huh. It was like yeah, yeah. a magazine that was like edgy and alternative. And there yeah. was always cabaret performers in it. That was like the most amazing thing about it. And it was always full of drag queens. And I remember doing my A-level English and just, I was all, I just knew about it. And it was there. And I remember sat down in, when they do careers day at school. Do you remember that? That's so awful. And they made you draw like a timeline of what you wanted to do. And I was like, I want to be a stylist for drag queens. And my teacher's being like, well, that's not really a job, so you have to choose something else. Wow. <laughs> Hairdressing. <laughs> wow. That's not very good. Did it even try to sort of cross-sell you to maybe hairdressing or makeup artist or something like that? I did like hairdressing. That. Oh, I did, did you? Hairdressing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm a hairdresser by trade. Perfect. It's very working class. They're like, oh, you're a poor person and you're creative and you're a girl, so you can do hairdressing. You can do that. That was the only option. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Really okay. great, those careers advisors. <laughs> yeah. Really, really They are helpful. really spot on. I mean, I got, I was told that I should either be a florist or... That's a good one. Yeah. Mm, I mean... It's camp. Mm, yeah, camp. A florist or... I, I don't know what the other thing was. but it, Oh, a hairdresser. A florist or a hairdresser. Like, yeah. I was like, okay, so I'm a singer and a dancer and I want to act and... And they were like, perfect, no. you should be a florist. <laughs> Sit still in your floristry shop. Um, fuck <laughs> off, actually. <laughs> I think that's what I'm going to say to you. Yeah. So it, yeah. You'd yeah, always been hard. surrounded by drag. You'd always known that it was there. Yeah. And then literally, as soon as I turned 18, I ran away to London. And I threw my, I literally threw my, I just started going out. That right. was the only thing I wanted to do was go to nightclubs 
be around other queer people, have an excuse to dress up. And so I just started going out, mainly to the black cap. Okay, love that. Love that. Okay, you. I mean, you made a good choice. Where out yeah, of all of the venues I can go to, where shall I go? I'll go to the black cap. Black cap. Yeah. Let's not mess around. But you know what? Here. It's because it was the closest gay bar. Oh, it was literally. Right. The, it was on the night bus, so it was easy. Yeah, easy choice. So you've in, you've decided that you want to do drag and be a drag queen. Do you know what? No, I didn't decide I wanted to be a drag queen. I did had no idea that drag was a career for anybody I don't think I thought it was just something you did because you were fabulous and you needed a way to be fabulous and you need to go out and be fabulous and you don't get paid I didn't there was no concept of money involved in it (laughs) drag race didn't exist (laughs) we're all poor artists still (laughs) (laughs) I love it Nobody involved in drag, but as soon as you can, as soon as you can phone the electricity board and pay with the performance of Shirley Bassey, yeah, you exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That is it. No, I, it was it was way more innocent than that. It was just a want to be around other queer people and be in a safe environment where we could express ourselves and. And you know what? It just spiralled out of control, to be honest. There was no... I didn't go into it being like, I'm going to be a drag queen the way that a lot of young people do today because it just... I never saw any drag queens that were doing it yeah. as a job. So so how did that start then? You know, you've, you've kind of come here and you've gone, okay, I just want loads of queer people around me and I want to wear all these crazy clothes and just be fabulous. So how does yeah. that then morph into going, actually, I'm interested in doing drag as a as an art form as a as form of expression is you know what was your uh, angle in i don't i didn't i didn't know i was doing drag i didn't know that what the way i was presenting myself was drag until other people started telling me that i was a drag queen and mm-hmm. at that point do you know what when we were when i used to go to the black cap and i i used to do nights with meth and the family fierce mm-hmm. and that old lot and Drag Race basically exploded in front of our eyes and we started booking these girls. We were paying absolutely nothing compared to what they get paid now. And we were bringing the girls over from like season three and drag just exploded. And I was DJing at the Black Cap and was I was getting like, you know, a little like a pocket money. And I thought that was like the most amazing thing that someone had given me any money to do this job. And it wasn't until I started seeing those girls, you know, paying their bills with drag that I really realized that it was a career Mm. I I didn't I didn't plan for it to be my career it just really took a life of its own (laughs) when when do you think that was like what because we're 2021 now I don't even know what fucking year it is (laughs) it's a day it's a day oh my god so when do you when do you think that sort of transition started to happen when the tax man came knocking at my door. <laughs> I think that was really the button where I was like, no. He's not interested in what you do for a living. Do He's you know just what? interested you know in what? the I literally posted on my Instagram yesterday. I was like, can someone come and tell RuPaul that women can't do drag because I don't want to do my taxes and I have to do them. But no, I, so I was, I was DJing at the Black Cap quite a lot. And then I, I basically, a lot of people used to come to the cap we had celebrities coming in every weekend mm. into this tiny little gay bar because they wanted to see these drag queens because suddenly it was cool to watch drag and i basically got a corporate gig <laughs> with youtube and because they used to come in the mm. events producer used to come into the black cap and see us all and he booked me and that it 
it wasn't a lot of money that I got paid for it, but it absolutely changed my entire life. You know, it was, it wasn't 50 quid. It was, it was a thousand pounds. And at the time that felt like the most money I'd ever been given in my entire life. And I felt like the luckiest girl in the world that someone was paying me to do this job that I was just doing because I wanted to go out and have fun with my friends and not pay for drinks. Mm. (laughs) And suddenly someone was giving me some money for it. And I think that was the point where I was like, okay, well, this is turning into something else now, you know? And then I just kind of accepted it. Yeah rode the train. I mean, I wish so, YouTube had come into my bar and given me a thousand pounds to go TJ. That yeah. would have been fucking lovely. But you know, like, as a a working class girl growing up with a single mum and, you know, we at times we spent five years living in a caravan mm. at one point. That that really changed my life. From uh, Before then, I was living from, you know, <laughs> from penny to penny. And to have just that much money in my bank account, I, that really changed everything for me. And, and maybe almost what I thought about myself as well, my own value. And okay, yeah. Yeah. That's I interesting. Really- so you've been on quite a journey already. Um, last year, sorry, not last year, because it's 2021 now. In 2019, yeah. <laughs> you were recognised by Attitude magazine as one of the queer voices <laughs> of the future. Um, how, how important was that to receive like an award like that for you, do you think? I don't know. It's really strange because at the time I didn't really take it in. Mm-hmm. I think because at, at that moment in time there was quite a lot happening. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of thought, oh, I'm going to do this photo shoot today. And then it's only because other people bring it up all the time where I'm like, oh, it's probably a big deal, isn't it? I should probably do something <laughs> with that. <laughs> I should probably pop it on Insta. You know. <laughs> pop it on my Instagram or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's a burden Perfect. though it's all because I feel like now I've got to live up to this Extra expectation pressure. of being like the voice of the future it's like I literally barely know my own name because <laughs> that was what I, I was going to ask next like is there an added pressure then on top of you because you've been heralded as this queer voice of the future and now you're like oh okay shit <laughs> no, no, I'm really, really thankful for everything that I've been given because like, not in my wildest dreams did I ever think that I would be able to achieve anything like this. Even though to some people it's nothing, to me it's everything to be recognised, especially within a community where so many queer women are not represented mm. enough. I do feel so grateful for that. But I also look at it and I go, yeah, lovely, it's a lovely group of cis gay men telling me I'm great. And it's like... <laughs> <laughs> wow i love that i'm, ter- I'm awful i haven't spoken to anyone in ages <laughs> so you you're down in london you're at the black cap you're doing your thing you do this youtube thing how how then do you end up because you you've become mates with the family gorgeous how does that yeah. become a thing? How do you then sort of... The cap, it always comes back to the cap. The cap was like my mother. It was like my drag mother. It was like a history there and there is a community there that just nurtured me so much. And we just used to book cheddar. I used to come down all the time and perform. And you know what drag queens are like. Everyone knows everyone. Yeah. They're like lesbians. Once you know one, you know them all. <laughs> 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 That's the problem. I don't know enough. I don't know. Enough. I, should, I need to that know more it. lesbians. You do. I don't know enough lesbians. Definitely not. That's because we're not represented enough. Oh my god! Is that why 
That's what the problem oh, is. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, this yes, is correct. it. <laughs> correct. This is it. So you you then got involved in Drag SOS from from being involved with the yeah. family gorgeous. For those who haven't seen that, what what is Drag SOS about? Drag SOS is about five drag queens that travel the country and help people find themselves through drag and ex- and love themselves a bit more and just add a bit of joy and happiness to their what they think are mundane lives, but in their own way, each one is special. Seeing everybody's fabulousness. Because it was so different, like the contestants, like you cho- it wasn't what I had in my head that the people that would have been chosen necessarily. I, I would, I sort of had it in my head that Drag SOS is going to be like, oh my God, I really want to be a drag queen and I'm 15 and I've just joined Twitter. Yeah. How can I do this? Please, someone help me. But instead, you've got a sort of, you know, single dad who's never kind of ever entertain the idea of venturing into you know experimenting or, or venturing in, into these areas and and kind of really helping them not just make an artistic move but an, an emotional one as well we had no say in the okay <laughs> we didn't know anything about these people until we met them and to be honest you know when when i got cheddar asked me to be involved with it again it was like such an out-of-body experience it always just feels so far removed from your life and it's not until we were in it and we were meeting these people where we really realized like whoa this is like this is heavy you know and it yeah and it was really when we met the people after our first day of filming i remember us all being like whoa this is going to change some people's lives for them on a personal basis and uh, we had no idea i mean the thing about the thing about being a drag queen is I don't feel like we give us ourselves enough credit sometimes because we're in it and we're doing it so often. And, I, well, for me, it feels like such a comfortable place now. But you forget about all those learning points when you're starting to experiment and when you're starting to play with makeup and costume and those feelings it evokes because we're so used to it now. And we're so sort of just, yeah, used to it being in our everyday lives that we forget how really powerful it can be mm. for some people and so yeah it was nice it's a very nice reminder to see the power it, of it again in and it really was uh, and there's some really incredibly beautiful stories in the show how was it was that the first time you'd done tv or you'd done bits before or you know what was that like as an experience kind of seeing the inner workings of tv oh my god it's fascinating it's wild. It is wild. I mean, I'd done, I'd done like music videos and like shoots and things like that before. I've never had a camera crew follow me around for 12 hours, 13 hours a day, like nonstop. You've got a microphone on you. You know, they're listening to everything you say. I've never had that before. Um, that was quite a wild ride. <laughs> but you know what? It's actually really fun. <laughs> I would do it again in a heartbeat because, yeah, I mean, yeah, you become very self-aware as you know yourself yeah. to be <laughs> <laughs> do you feel like you were very self-aware or are you um, just in it not on drag race i wasn't at all i was really in it the entire time i was completely fucking terrified having my out-of-body experience thinking i'm about to leave at any moment but all the stuff that i'd done before i was very self-aware and like okay this is the job that I'm here to do. Because it wasn't it wasn't that, you know, it wasn't about building a relationship with people. It was about an entertainment instead. Yeah. You know, whereas I approached drag races trying to build a relationship, which is really fucking bad for your mental health. So don't do that, kids. Um, yeah. But yeah. It, what was the most joyful thing for me about 
uh, Drag SOS was that there wasn't that competitive element. That that was... Yeah, and that was really, really important to us as well. Well, Cheddar was one of the people that helped mm. produce the concept for the show, and that was one of the things he really said. It was not competitive, and he was really adamant about having a female drag queen on the show. And, you know, I, I probably felt so self-aware because I did feel like I was representing yeah. an entire yeah, yeah. community, and I did have that that weight behind me, and I was very aware of how fortunate I was to even be considered for this role, which had never been explored before. But that must have been, I mean... I I watched it avidly. Like, I watched it avidly. Yeah, I'm such right. a fan of drag anyway. <laughs> and I was like, oh, give me more of this. And you you come across as so <laughs> so lovely, so warm, and very funny as well. Um, which, in in those circumstances, is really fucking hard work anyway. Because you're, yeah. you know, you're constantly going, okay, yeah. I'm being watched, I'm being judged, I've got this, I've got that, I've got... And you also had a lot to do behind the scenes, didn't you? Yeah. Oh my God. We had so much to do. We had to make like three looks from scratch. We had to find the resources and find the materials. And we had to literally go around charity shops in drag and go into all the craft stores in drag. And you've got a film crew and everything takes ages when you've got a film crew because they're so slow. <laughs> we had to do everything ourselves. And then they cut it all. And they don't even show the creative process of you slaving away or like in your hotel room steaming yeah, away. That was one of the things I was a little <laughs> cross about for all of you because I was like well did they just turn up with the outfits already they had all their measurements and everything like that and it and that's the thing the the more you watch it you're like no no they didn't have any of this stuff did they they've had to do all of this in preparation and like for me just making one outfit in a week that's a lot you you just have other things to do and then you put on top of that you're also having to do like pointless shit that you have to do for reality TV anyway like okay we're going to walk down a street yeah. now we're going to spend 40 yeah and again it's and again it's going to take you four hours again. for this 30 second shot <laughs> okay you know and then you place on yeah. top of that all of that stuff and you're like so I'm like I'm looking at it as somebody who kind of knows how TV gets made and how much time it all takes and I'm thinking yeah. holy shit that must have been mental. Yeah. So you're saying like you were up until really early mornings. Yeah. We were like, there were some days where you couldn't get a wig done fast enough. You know, like if you're putting it in perm rollers, it takes time to do that. And then you put a steam it and set it and then brush it out and style it. And we were literally taking things into our hotel rooms to get them finished. And the crew would be like, we have to make you stop working now because we've got union rules and la la la. And it's like, well, the work's not done. And they'd be like, well, we have to tell you to stop working. And I'd be like, well, we'll just take it to our rooms then. Because we mm. were, we cared so much, you know. By the time it gets to the end of that week, we're so invested in these people that we've met. And we want them to have the best experience possible. So we did. You're not going to go on looking half-assed, are you? There's no... There's no way. <laughs> I mean, there was there was some days I would literally like have a nap in oh. full drag on the lunch hour just because I was yeah. so tired. And we just sat there like, yeah. I'm just gonna, I just need to sleep right now. <laughs> So what was the highlight then? What was the the one point on that shoot where you were like, this is the best? Mm-hmm. When we were herding pigs. Ah, <laughs> <yes>! <laughs> 
such a contrast. I tell you, I had the time of my life herding pigs. I kept saying to the producers, they were like, we might meet a farmer. And I kept saying to them, look, I want to herd some sheep in drag. This is going to be so funny. I want to herd sheep. It'll be great. I've always wanted to do it before just to see what it's like. And the thing about when you've got a film crew is you have quite a bit of power. Well, I felt like we kind of took the power and we were were quite bossy on shoot at times. We were very sort of vocal about what we did and didn't want to do, which was nice. But um, yeah, herding pigs, that was, it was hilarious. Watching the family gorgeous herd pigs was hilarious. And just, it was, it (laughs) was just imagine it. So do you think that like so when, when we talk about um, your 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 struggles with it with a girl doing drag, do you think like that it would be important for everybody at some point in their lives to try drag? Do you think that that would that would be the really best? Absolutely, them? absolutely. Uh-huh. Just the process of changing your own appearance and looking in the mirror can be so mind blowing for some people, and so many people are so specific about the way they look and. You know, I as I said before, I'm I am a trained hairdresser, and I do still work as a hairdresser part time because I love people. But for example, so many men whose hair I cut, they will have the same haircut their entire lives, and and they're so self aware and so you know this is what I'm presenting to the world and this is who I am, and I think that so many of them would find so much more liberation in just stepping back for a okay. moment and also giving that power to somebody else to transform them. I feel like that right. was part yeah. of the joy with drag that sos is they weren't the ones yeah. doing it you know they were they were getting a team of people who know what they're doing to put them in drag which is not the same <laughs> as when you're learning to do drag yourself <laughs> if only it were definitely. <laughs> yeah definitely. like lil got you mm. get lil to do your makeup the first time you're in drag she's a, she's a phenomenal makeup artist you know that's very lucky yeah. for some people <laughs> they mean, should appreciate I it i would quite enjoy <laughs> having lil do my makeup now <laughs> Rather than right at the beginning, (laughs) I would still be like, I look so much better. Thanks, girl. (laughs) (laughs) She is so talented. You've performed all over the world as a cabaret artist, as a DJ, as a burlesque performer, with all kinds of amazing people. Like, yeah. go on, lucky. tell us a couple of the people that you <laughs> perform with. Go on, Titi. I don't even know. I don't even know anymore. Here we go. We've got some names coming up here. I don't know. Who have I performed with? Do you know what? I've been in lockdown for so long, I don't even know what I do anymore, literally. <laughs> I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? Um, I've performed with, I perform with Sync with Pink a lot, as you know. Glitterbox. Um... Lots of really camp people. I perform with camp people all the time, like the Venga Boys and Cascada and like Philly. <laughs> I performed with Nile Rogers before. I think uh, that was quite good. Cece Penson. Um, just loads of fab people. I've been really, I mean, loads of Drag Race girls. If you would like Drag Race names, Trixie Mattel and Katia and Manila and all those ones that are from a long time ago because I'm old. <laughs> I'm, I've been very fortunate. I have been very fortunate. Who else? Who have you got? Well, on your I because I don't even know. I, who you're I only have three, but they are quite okay, major. Three. Yeah, they oh, are major. So, yeah. Lily Allen. Oh yeah, I was in a Lily Allen video. Yes. You were in a Lily Allen <laughs> video. So tell us about. I love this. How he's like, oh yeah, I was in a Lily Allen video. Do you know what? That was one of the first. That was one of the first 
gigs I ever got, you know, really? like, as a performer. Yeah. I was like really? doing burlesque cabaret stuff. And then someone was like, oh, there's an audition. They want like, <laughs> like really raunchy, like twerking girls. And I'd never been to a professional audition in my entire life. I had no idea <laughs> what I was walking into. And it was at like, it wasn't at the pineapple, but it was somewhere sort of, you know, central London. It was very high end. There was maybe like, a hundred people in the room and they were all professional dancers and all like I grew up watching women strip mm. I know how to dance my mum used to have a pole like in our front room when I was a kid and I know how to twerk and I just showed off a bit and then I got the role and it was so fun <laughs> I forget about that all the time though it was ages ago I bet all of those other people were like that fucking bitch <laughs> they were so confused. Do you know what I did? I upside down twerked on the mirrors in the dance studio when you do like your freestyle yes. thing. I think I think that's what's got me booked, to be honest. So we've got Lily Allen. Then there's yeah. also years and years. Oh yeah. That was the that was my first Google gig, you know. That was the gig. That was the moment. That was the moment. It was like their party and years and years were playing and do you know what that's when I had a moment on stage where I was like I don't know if you feel ever felt like this but you have imposter syndrome and it's very I'm faking it I'm gonna fake it until I make it and that was the moment where I was like oh I know what I'm doing I actually am doing it now um yeah that was that was the gig years and years yeah <laughs> imposter syndrome is a real thing and you just have to it's remind so yourself yeah. what are the things that I've already done and actually yeah what I'm being asked to do is is nothing compared to all of those other crazy things that I've already done. Yeah, I, it's good to remind yourself. Yeah, because the whole <laughs> world is just pretending that they know what they're doing. Everyone's pretending. Literally and the everyone. sooner you realise that, the better. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last one I've got is Sagala. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was also another Google gig. Because I got loads of Google gigs after that, you know. It was fuming. It was great. <laughs> she was like, how much? So, no, that's not quite enough money. I need some more. Thank you. I didn't I didn't make that much money at all. And do you know what? They they changed my life for me. Just having, like, I'm, I do not, neither of my parents ever bought their own house, you know, like, I am from a very, very working class family. My dad still works in construction now and he's like in his 60s. Yeah, my dad too. Yeah, and to not not be in my overdraft any, every month, that was literally what they did for me, was just take me out of my yeah. overdraft. And that was enough for me to believe in myself. Like, it's so sad, isn't it? No, but that's, <laughs> but I think I mean, that's the, brilliant. That's the reality of being an artist and yeah. making work, is as soon as you have that opportunity to make enough money to get you to a stable place, yeah, that's where you go, oh, wait a minute, actually I can do this and make this yeah. happen. So, yeah. I mean, what an amazing uh, opportunity. And I feel and like a lot of us are in fight or flight mm -hmm. a lot of the time. And when you don't have financial security, you do feel like you're trying to survive and that's all you're doing is surviving. And yeah, I mean, I'm yeah, I, I do not have any money still because I live in an office. <laughs> and if I did, I wouldn't be living in an office. Yeah, because you've, you've moved recently and you've moved yeah. into an office. Yeah, yeah, moved into an office. So working and living in the same place. <laughs> so live work. Like I know that you moved for, for difficult reasons. There were things going yeah. on. But how did you decide that instead of moving to a, an ordinary, ordinary in inverted commas, <laughs> residence, that instead you were going to move to an office space? Do you know what? I love 
I love queer space. I love space that is not the mainstream, that that adapts to who you are as a person, as opposed to this is what is expected of you. You live in a house, you're two up, two down. The reality of my life and my partner's life is that we're both artists and we work from home and we like to be able to create whenever we feel like we want to create. And so for us, the most important thing is having that space to create. I don't really care. I, you know, I did live in a caravan for five years. I don't care about having a nice kitchen or a nice front room. You know, I just want to have a space to create. And I think I just, I met a lot of people that lived in a lot of alternative housing situations. And just just for me and who I am, I just wanted space. And, you know, that's what I was able to get with uh, old office. <laughs> Is space <laughs> like where do you keep your drag Davina I'm currently in my garage and we so yeah what we were in a two-bed flat with yeah. us a housemate and a dog and all of my drag yeah. was lift, like holding up the bed so that was like not an ideal situation and then before <laughs> the pandemic we sold Kiki which I mean Sorry, we sold Kiki and then the world went to shit. But then that, that meant that we could then move to a, a, a house. So now we're in a, yeah. a three-bed townhouse. So the downstairs now is the workspace. So the third yeah. bedroom at the bottom is where all the drag is. And then I have yeah. like the garage as a, a little studio making space. Because the reality is drag is a lot of stuff. And it just takes well. over everywhere. So much stuff. And I'd always had my drag in my bedroom. And, you know, now I've got this gorgeous room for my just for my drag. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. And it really is a gorgeous room as well. And you've been very... <laughs> you've not been shy about actually doing work, have you? Like, it's not been like, no. oh, I'm a lady. You, no, 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 no. You've no, really no. got in I've been, there. like, laying cement floors. I've been building kitchens. You know, I am a, a butch woman at heart. <laughs> I'm just hiding behind all this drag. <laughs> You know, I just love, I love making things. I love making anything, no matter what it is. And, you know, I so basically we're living in this derelict office. It's like 5,000 square foot. We're right next to Waterloo Station. Like you can literally see Waterloo Station wow. out of that window. Okay. And basically the building's going to be demolished. So they don't know when that's going to happen. They've been trying to get planning permission for 15 years. Oh, wow. We just live here. <laughs> And basically, they just said, like, do what you want with it. Just yeah. rent it out really cheaply and do what you want. And they said, do what you want. So I painted it rainbow, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> well, it works. If it works, it works. Why yeah, not? it works. It's been really interesting to watch the process, though, of you creating this space. Because you've <laughs> yeah, kind of documented it on social media, haven't you? Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's there for everyone to see how you've made it. <laughs> it's really fun, you know. And I think I think people love that. It's it's sort of this fantasy, isn't it, of like building your own commune in your yeah, own, yeah. you know, that is like a fantasy for a your lot of people. Space. And yeah, we had time. We had nothing else to do in lockdown. So, you know, I'm a very resourceful woman. <laughs> so what could we expect um, from TT over the next few months uh, for the rest of 2021? <gasps> what excitement have you got in store for us? What have I got? Do you know what? I don't even know myself. There's bookings there. Who knows if they're going to happen? Uh. <laughs> Who knows if they're going to happen? Is there anything you're working on you can tell us? You know what? I've given myself a few little projects. I've given myself okay. this project of doing herstory lessons okay. on my Instagram. So I'm creating looks based around iconic queer women who... I don't feel like are represented mm -hmm. enough and we need to we need to remember these queer pioneers these female pioneers that were there and what they did for us so I've, I've given myself that project to do um 
I'm doing a few Instagram lives with Sink the Pink. Maybe I'm um, interviewing a very famous pop star on there in a couple Ooh, of weeks. Okay. I don't know. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm not. Oh my God. <laughs> Bits and bobs. I'm keeping myself busy. You know. Just follow okay. me and find out. So <laughs> if we're going to follow you, how are we going to follow you? What are your handles? It's at Titi underscore bang on Instagram and you can find everything you need to know on there because I'm very old and I can't deal with having more than like two social medias. I've got Twitter. It's Titi bang SOS. But do you use Twitter, Davina? Oh, you do. Yeah. I've seen you. I'm very active on Twitter, actually. I am. Do you know what? All this bloody gay drama makes me depressed. I can't deal with it. <laughs> I don't need to see twinks arguing with themselves <laughs> about what so-and-so said or what so-and-so's wearing. I mean... The world is shit enough. Yeah, I love that <laughs> as long as I'm not involved. Yeah. The drama is fantastic as long as it doesn't involve, involve me at all. Yeah. I'm totally into it. <laughs> So we can find you at TT underscore bang. Bang. Yeah. Love that. That's it. Nice and simple. Fabulous. <laughs> That's perfect. Thank you. Who's got the police siren going off? Who is that? Is that London or Manchester? I think it's me. Who knows? Is it you? <laughs> Most likely. It might be me. <laughs> Central London. <laughs> and there's usually like a police helicopter hovering over the house or something at those points. They're like, just looking for Ricky. to Manchester. Really. That's what it is. I know. Yeah, they're waiting for me to go to Aldi. <laughs> <laughs> who knows oh thank you so much it's been such a pleasure right. talking to you I can't wait to, will you come back and talk to us again yeah absolutely gorgeous well we have come to the end of the episode this has been Fierce Slay Talk you can join us on our journey by following us on Facebook Twitter and Instagram at Fierce Slay Talk and thank you so much for tuning in and listening to us going on. We could talk for hours. And if you enjoyed the show, let your friends know. Go on, spread the word. Be sure to review the podcast as well. Till next time. You want it. You got it. I won't hold back. Come snatch it. Come take it. All yours right off the rack. No wanting. No waiting. You shake me down, you touch it, you taste it, come take me here and now. Try it and buy it, the top of the stack, bag it and snag it, no need to attack. Instant and present, hit go and play back. Right now, right now. Take it and tame it, walk me to the door. Have it and hold it, you only want more. Live it and love it, you've got it, it's yours. Right now, right now.